Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Um, there was no hot lap last week because there was nothing to talk about, right? If anyone listened to Three Legs, Four Wheels, you know, it was hard enough to do an hour and a half with four people talking about Formula One, but there was genuinely nothing to talk about. So, you know, I I didn't do it because I don't want to I don't I don't want to put episodes out just because there's like ads and stuff in the middle. It's not it's not what I want to do things like this for. Um and I also don't want to sit rambling rambling on a podcast trying to just take up an hour of your life when there's probably something you could listen to which has actually got something good some some substance to it anyway i'm going to plow on with this today because it's monday morning because i wanted to find out what was going on with the Renault thing turns out still don't really know what's going on the Renault thing um and i have a day's worth (laughs) a day's worth of research to do um for the upcoming woken dead podcast which is hopefully going to be this weekend, I just need confirmation from Stuart, um, but I've got a day of um, looking into the Extinction Rebellion group, and uh, I'm ho- hopefully, hopefully, might be able to tell you some things that aren't on the news. Anyway, that's something different. That's not Formula One, but make sure you listen to the Woken Dead. Anyway, um, we'll do what we usually do. We'll go straight for the drivers before we talk about the Renault incident and we talk about some of the tweets that you sent in to me. So we'll see. We'll, pro- we'll probably answer some of the tweets that we've got before the uh, before we actually get to them. But, you know, we'll see what happens. So first DNF of the race was uh, Max Verstappen. Um, and uh, technically the only DNF in the end, I think, um, yeah, he had a coming together with Leclerc on the first lap. I am surprised. I don't know if I, I don't know if I would have given Leclerc a penalty for what happened on the first lap. We tend to, into like turn one, two, turn two, turn turn three, in certain situations, like when you get bunched up corners in the, on the first lap, we tend to give a bit of a buy, don't we? So. I'm not willing to just turn around and say, right, it's a slam dunk penalty for for that. I do think Leclerc should have had a penalty should have had a penalty for staying out with a car that was falling to bits. Uh there was quite a scary incident with his was a bit of a front wing that came off, took Lewis Hamilton's wing mirror off, uh could have easily hit him in the visor, could have easily hit him in the like the shoulder or upper chest, could have hurt the guy. Um, I mean, even if if you, I don't know. Like carbon fiber is sharp when it breaks off. I don't know how dangerous a piece of uh, carbon fiber flying at a helmet is, for instance. I would think that those helmets are designed to withstand things like that. So I don't think it would have been a situation where this bit of carbon fiber would have gone through his visor. But it's still not ideal. And it's you know it was uh, just on the way into one thirty R. Now, 
if something like that would have happened on the entry to 130R and it had have hit Hamilton and it you know it's all of a sudden I've been hit with a bit of car he could have had a mother of a crash there like 130R is so fast so I, I kind of disagree with that but I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself uh, and ended up with Max Verstappen having to retire from the race which was a shame it was a shame he was took out from the first on the first corner I kind of don't think um he'd have been able to do anything apart from stay ahead of Albon anyway because the Red Bull weren't at the races with Ferrari and Mercedes um they were ahead of everybody else I think he would have it would have been nice to have seen a um a battle between the two Red Bulls because we still we still haven't had the like a, a straight match off between the two drivers the closest we've had actually was this weekend where um Albon's had a completely like on um, interrupted qualifying session, albeit a strange qualifying session because it was on Sunday and not Saturday, but he put an identical time into Max Verstappen. Now, I would suggest that's not an easy feat in the same car as Verstappen to put the same time in. So, uh, I've I, I've got this sneaking suspicion in the back of my head that Albon might be a little end up being a little bit special, like as in one of the top guys um and we just because it's been a switch from cars which he's dealt with very well he's had um like legacy engine penalties that he's he's had uh, fold over from from gasly uh, oh i've got a cold today as well so i'm sorry if i'm sniffing and i'm sorry if i sound a little bit nasally and wet um I I just I, I don't and I've got no evidence for it. I've just he's just done a couple of good drives in a really good car, you know. But um I I've got this funny feeling that come next year when both drivers are embedded in that team and they know what's going on, I th- I think Albon might be able to trouble uh, Max Verstappen a little bit. And it'll be interesting to see how Max Verstappen handles that because I don't think he's the type of person that will handle an inter-team battle very well. Um, Robert Kubica. Um, well, on this uh, rundown I've got, it's actually got him down as Robert Joseph Kubica. I didn't even know he had a middle name. Uh, or Joe, it's probably not Joseph. It's J-O-Z, what, with a hyphen, Z-E-F. And I don't know how you pronounce that. So I'm just going to say Joseph. Um he was 19th. Uh, I don't have the gaps, unfortunately, on this, so I don't know how far he was behind George Russell, but he was upset that they took his front wing off him on Saturday and blamed the crash on that. Uh, going as far as saying that Williams were stepping boundaries by taking the wing off him. I I mean, nobody... like We, we remember um, Silverstone with Mark Webber when Mark Webber had to give up the new wing for Sebastian Vettel uh, and uh, he came out with the famous line which we borrowed for our intro Uh, it was not bad for a number two driver Um, I don't understand what Kubica thinks is going to happen in that situation he's got a younger teammate which is consistently faster than him and he's not staying at the end of the year and we're nearly done If, if, if you're if you're the older driver who's not staying at a team that's constantly getting beaten by his teammate, I, if you haven't got any clearer signs of, I'm probably number two driver here, I can't help you. I can't. I If if this is a shock to you, can't help, mate. So, yeah, 
I can understand why it was there. I don't believe that the uh, front wing being changed was what caused his accident. He actually said before qualifying because I think the first time he had the he, he had the, the wing on in testing, didn't he? Um, I think the, he turned around straight after and said the wing made no difference to my car. So it's it obviously made a difference to Russell, but um, you know, it's let's just say that he. Um, Let's just say that the wing wasn't what crashed. What wasn't what made him crash? It's a good job it did take the front wing off him because I think they only had one. They ran it between the two cars. George said it made a difference. I don't think Kubit. I think Kubitzer said it didn't. And if they'd left it on Kubitzer's car, he'd have smashed it into a wall. So who cares? Um, George Russell finished 18th again. It's it's boring to talk about Williams. I'm excited to see what George can do next year if the car gets better apparently willing to bet his house that they will do uh, Antonio Giovinazzi was 16th um, not a great weekend for Toro Rosso in, uh, not Toro Rosso for um, well, well, well it wasn't a great weekend for Toro Rosso but it wasn't a great weekend for Alfa Romeo in general um, strange team Alfa they looked really good at the beginning of the year didn't they, they looked exceptionally good in testing and have just fell backwards interesting thing they've were one of the teams that were in favour of the new rule changes in 2021. They weren't one of the teams that went against it. Um, interesting thing with that is they're a Ferrari junior team. Ferrari were one of the teams that went against the new rules. So that suggests to me that like uh, Alfa Romeo still has some uh, like self uh, autonomy about it. It's not um, the the Toro Rosso to the the Red Bull that we thought it was. They're saying that I think Toro Rosso might have gone up. Maybe, maybe I'm selling Toro Rosso short. But I thought it was a good thing to see. Um, I'm interested. I don't. We'll have a little bit, of ch- a little bit of chatter about what this real thing is next year, along with the quality tweaks that might happen for the next for next year uh, for certain races. So we'll we'll have a chat about that. I think I don't know what's going to happen. There seems to be some sort of deadlock. Um, Roman Grosjean was fifteenth. Um, another non-plussed weekend for Roman Grosjean. I think he had a he had some sort of problem somewhere, didn't he? I can't remember. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen fourteenth again, compounding the, the bad weekend that um, Alpha have had. I I know and uh, Giovinazzi has been better over the last couple of races. If Kimi is, which it seems to be, going to bow out of Formula One at the end of next year. I can't help thinking it would be better for Alfa Romeo to take Nico Hulkenberg on if they want an experienced driver going into 2021 and these supposed rule changes, which we hope are going to happen. Um, they don't want they don't want a whole fresh team trying to build an all new car, and I really I, I think Hulkenberg might be the guy for them right now, especially if they can hammer him down to like a two year deal. So again for next year and 2021, and then see where they. See where things lie. Uh, Lando Norris was thirteenth. Um, a terrible race for Lando. Really, he had the he had the car to be right up there. He said he uh, he had made a mistake in qualifying, which he thought would have put put him ahead of science if he hadn't made the mistake. He looked like he had race pace, and he was he had a really good start. I think he had science. Uh, on the first lap, he, by the sounds of what he was saying, he thought he had it. He was good for like fifth, and then cars started crashing around him. He ended up falling back. Albon made it. Like, I, I personally think uh, 
a too aggressive overtake on him. Um, it was from a long way back. You, like Lando would have never seen Albon like at that speed, never seen him. So when he's just naturally turning into the corner, you know he can't he can't just go straight. If you're coming up to like a hairpin, you've got to try and go around it. And um, yeah, it it seemed it seemed a little bit far to me that uh, overtake. Anyway, we'll talk about him a little bit later. Uh, but, but yeah, bad luck for Lando, and I I I, I really worry because I know he's got a seat for next year, and I know it's not his fault. Most of the things that have gone round the other. I think there's like one incident I can think he's had on lap one where it's kind of has been his fault, but most of his have been either mechanical or other drivers causing problems for him. Now, I've seen drivers in the past which you think, oh, you'd be really, you could be really good, but they've just never, they've constantly had bad luck, like, and then fallen out of the sport. You know, it's luck is a big thing. It's a big thing with opportunities, and it you look at. Um, Look at Roman Grosjean. Like, let's say that when he came into Formula One, his his uh, his fortunes have been slightly different. I know lots of the things were caused himself, but you end up in this spiral of like misfortune when you're constantly worried about making another mistake. I think that's where Grosjean is still. Is it? He's so worried about making another mistake. That's why he's so defensive about all his actions, um, because he's had so much criticism, which has to has to sit heavy on you. So I really do hope Lando can get some good luck, especially, please, just over the next like few races, so his head is there for next year. It would be really good. Let him get some clean qualifiers, clean races. It would be great to see. Uh, Daniel Kvyat was 12th for Toro Rosso. Um, uh, not a great race for Kvyat, getting outdone by his teammate. Lance Stroll was 11th and just outside the points. Again, kind of a bit of a standard Lance Stroll race, wasn't it? Never really never, never really sort of made any impact. He had the car to maybe be a, be a little bit further up. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg was on a contra strategy to Daniel Ricciardo and had to give his place back. Nico was up running quite high at one point. I think he was up to like 6th or 7th. Uh, but tyre strategy seems to have been what was the unravelling but there might be more unravelling at Renault we'll talk about in a bit. Um, Sergio Perez was ninth, even though he crashed on the lap before the last lap. And I don't even understand how this works. I take it someone later on at three legs, four wheels is going to explain this to me. But I know that they got the lap counter wrong because apparently the lap counter was damaged in the rain. And the race was actually an entire lap shorter than it was. And because of that, they had to do a count back, I believe, to the to the lap before. And that meant Sergio Perez, even though smashing into the wall, kept keeps his points. Might be a couple more points coming his way as well. And a point for Lance Stroll at that matter. Um Where are we? Pierre Gasly was eighth. A perfectly fine driver, Pierre Gasly, and uh, the exactly the sort of thing he needs to start doing or need to keep doing if he's gonna keep himself that Toro Rosso drive next year. Uh, considering like Danny Kvyat has already been signed up, so you know he's got a he's got to fight for that seat because Red Bull do not care about throwing a driver away. Daniel Ricciardo had a great race, finished sixth, uh, did some good overtaking, uh, was allowed past his teammate, and his teammate was stuck behind Lance Stroll. Tires more than anything that why why he couldn't make a move, but I think it was like three corners, wasn't it? He was allowed past. 
and he got Lance Stroll within three corners. He, I'm sure it was. Oh, was it the hairpin? Anyway, he got absolutely done. So yeah, it was a good move for them to um, to put uh, to put him past Nico Hulkenberg at that time because in the end, it allowed him to finish sixth if he keeps it. Uh, Carlos Sainz, who was my driver of the day. Um, Finished fifth. He had a great start. He got himself up, hustling uh, Lewis Hamilton at one point. Um, he just he he didn't have the car to fight the top three. But it's so much better seeing McLaren on like the third row of the grid or fourth row of the grid than it is watching them bring up the end. They shouldn't have, they shouldn't be that far back. They're too good in operation, and uh, it's great to see them on the ascendancy. And as uh, Paul Arista said on the grid walk. It's great to see that McLaren this year, uh, that no one would have guessed, they're closer to Red Bull than Red Bull are to Mercedes. That's the jump they've made. Now, I think that's absolutely incredible for a team. When you consider they had Renault engines last year as well, uh, Seidel uh, has really made a difference to that team. And I can't wait. I can't wait to see what they can do next year. I think at the current rate of progress, they will be um, taking Red Bull on next year. I think those cars could be very, very similar pace. And you might even see, a, I mean, if they're Red Bull pace and you get the right race and you've got a guy which Carlos Sainz is really coming back to what we saw from him when he was in Toro Rosso. He's the sort of guy that you can you can fully see if he's just got the car for it. Maybe Mercedes or Ferrari make a mistake. uh he can be on the podium. He could have right win a race, yeah, you know, as well if if it's a car comparable to Red Bull. So that's what I'm hoping to see next year. Get that fourth team up there. Get get them up there with Red Bull for twenty for twenty twenty, and then hopefully with these rule shuffles that are going on, we'll see we'll see four top teams like fighting for wins in twenty twenty one. Alex Albon, and another fine race from him. He didn't have to do anything like start from the pit lane. Again, it's a shame we didn't see him and Max Verstappen on the same piece of tarmac for an entire race. Uh, I'm, I was a little, like I say, I do think his move on uh, Lando probably warranted a penalty. But if this is what we're doing now, if this is Formula One, then we just have to get used to it. If if drivers are allowed to kind of nudge other drivers out of the way as long as nobody retires, then you know that's that's just what we've got to be, got, we've got to get used to. Uh, Lewis Hamilton. Uh, oh, how did we miss Charles Leclerc? How have I missed Charles Leclerc? And where was he? I'm jumping back. Sorry, I went straight from Pierre Gasly to Daniel Ricciardo. Sorry about that. Charles Leclerc finished seventh after uh, battering uh, Max Verstappen off the circuit and having his car fall to bits over three laps. Uh, I... I'm starting to find Charles Leclerc a little bit um, petulant. I and I don't think it's I don't think it's steely petulance either. Um, I, and I can't help think that it's got worse since Sebastian Vettel is kind of found his mojo again. Uh, I think Sebastian would have beaten Charles Leclerc this weekend on pace. Um. I don't know. It's it's. There's a strange one there. I don't quite know what they're going to do with Vettel and Charles. Um, I still wonder whether 
uh, Sebastian Vettel is going to stay there next year or not, or whether he's going to go somewhere else or retire. I'm not sure. I don't see. The, the, I think the the sticky situation he's got is he hasn't really got anywhere to go that's going to give him a championship race winning seat, uh, but he's in one, and I don't think he wants to retire. But I don't think he can trust Ferrari totally. I think if he does Leclerc now over the rest of the season, you know, that could be that could be enough to swing things back in his his direction. But he's going to have his hand hands full next year. But again, to counter my own point, there, he's. He's been up against a wounded Sebastian Vettel. I've been saying this all year. Sebastian Vettel didn't become rubbish overnight. He's had a couple of bad seasons, which has spiralled into this like disastrous season at the beginning of the year, or, or well, past the uh, uh, midsummer break as well. So I don't believe that he's all of a sudden a bad driver, and I do wonder how. Charles Leclerc will match up against Sebastian Vettel if Ferrari build a car that he's comfortable with. And clearly, the way that they've added downforce to that car, that car is gone. It stayed the same almost for Charles Leclerc, I think, in the way he enjoys driving it. But it's gone more towards what Sebastian Vettel prefers. So if he gets something in his hands that he has confidence in, because that's the thing, he qualified on pole and he still did look like he had as much confidence in it as Charles Leclerc this weekend. So I do I think it's steps in the right direction for Sebastian Vettel. I don't want to see him out of the sport. Uh, I think he's too big a name. I think he's still got too much to give to the sport to fall out just because of the to becoming a victim of the Ferrari machine. You know, it's We've seen victims of the Ferrari machine over the years. The first one that springs to my mind is uh, Eddie Irvine, and I'm—I don't want it to see happen to him, especially the, especially what happened to Fernando Alonso, because in hindsight, leaving Ferrari was a bad move for Fernando Alonso. You know, it's he—he had—he—if he'd have stayed, he'd have had the chance to fight for world championships, and I think last year when Ferrari had a better car than Mercedes for a good chunk of the year, would have probably won the World Championship. Um, Lewis Hamilton was third. He kind of should have won, I think. I But again, people would have said the race was handed to him. People would have said it was favouring uh, Valtteri Bottas. I think it robbed us of a race because watching Bottas close up on Hamilton and then try and get past Hamilton would have been exciting for the viewers. Uh, they kind of cost themselves a one-two, I think, and gave themselves a one-three. For it, Lewis Hamilton's going to win the world championship. This may they, they still won the constructors, and with what was going on, if they didn't win it this weekend, they would have won it next weekend. So they didn't really have to worry about the constructors. I think this was about giving Bottas the tip he like the not not of the hat he deserves because. He drove well all weekend. He was quickest in every um, practice session. He out-qualified Lewis Hamilton. He got into the first corner first and led the race. You know, he did everything he needed to do. I don't think Bottas can drive a better race than this. And over 20, what, 20, is it 21 races or something like that we have? Um, You know, it's every weekend he has to get into a car and fight the best driver in the world. Now, he's going to come off 
on the wrong side of that more often than not. But you can't destroy a driver. And this is what I think about the similar situation to Sebastian Vettel. There is a bloodlust in people, I think, sometimes, especially when it comes to sport. I, I fall victim to it myself. I'm not I'm not saying I'm impervious to this. But there's a bloodlust that when we see somebody, like, look at uh, how I talk about, like, Kibitza sometimes, but I think Kibitza is different because I don't think he should be there. But look at like uh, Roman Grosjean, how Roman Grosjean's treated sometimes, or um, uh, how Lance Stroll's uh, treated. We we kind of see a driver that's struggling or a person that's struggling. We should say because it goes with most sports and most situations, and we want them to crumble. We want to watch them crumble because I think there's a uh, a subconscious thing in us that if we see somebody that's on a pedestal doing badly it makes us feel better because it makes them more human i don't think we like outwardly think that but i think it's what goes on inside and uh it doesn't help mercedes for them to turn around to valtteri Bottas and say you are the second driver and uh you're never going to win another race while you're in this team it doesn't work it doesn't they need to they need to give Valtteri Bottas the tools to win a championship but kind of know at the beginning of the year that unless things go crazy Lewis Hamilton's talent will take him ahead of Valtteri Bottas most times so I I, th- I think what Mercedes did in not leaving Lewis Hamilton out was maybe not the best race outcome but it was the best Mercedes outcome for that to happen and Lewis knows it as well you know it's he wasn't he was upset he didn't win the race. You know, he radioed in to uh, Pete Boddington, I think is his race engineer, uh, and said, like, what do I have to do to win this race? And he had the option there. He could have ignored team orders. He could have ignored t- uh, the team orders for him to come into the pits and change his tyres. He could have hung it out and tried to win the race. What he would have then done is ended with Mercedes in exactly the same position Ferrari's in, where the drivers don't trust each other. And I, I can't help think that maybe if... If uh, Lewis didn't have that reminder of like the the team next door falling apart at the seams at times, he probably would have stayed out and tried to win the race. But Mercedes, Mercedes' main strength is its team and its teamwork. That's why they've won six constructors. That's why they've dominated the hybrid era, and that's why they're not like. Even if we get a rule change, you can you can bet that come um, Australia in twenty twenty one. Like Mercedes are gonna be one of the teams that could get pole and win the race because they're that good a team. So we'll just have to uh, have to sort of take this one on the chin as far as race fans go. I don't think Bottas deserves the criticism he's got for uh, for the outcome. I think it's uh, an unnecessary amount of cruelty to him. Um, and let him, yeah, let him, let him have his minute because. Valtteri Bottas doesn't get a lot of wins over the course of a year. He's had, you know, he's got more points now than he did last year. But Lewis Hamilton is further ahead of him than he was last year. So, I, I really think Mercedes are going to need um, Lewis Hamilton are going to need this um, next uh, next next year. They're going to need the the good. Um, they're going to need the good. Uh, teammate because if if Sebastian Vettel sorts himself out and 
Ferrari can manage their driver situation, I would argue that both, um, well, Ferrari definitely have a stronger all-round team than Mercedes as far as two the two drivers. I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up that we looked at Red Bull next year as having a stronger all-round team because I think Albon has the potential to be better than Bottas and I think Charles Leclerc and, uh, well, obviously Max Verstappen is better than Bottas uh, and I think Charles Leclerc and Sebastian Vettel are better than Bottas. So we'll just have to see what happens. Um, On to some tweets. Now, you might have noticed in Ted's notebook that there's uh, rumours going round about the, this tweet actually was sent by Guest5, who is a patron of Mussy Audio. And thanks, mate. You're one of the guys that keeps the, the lights on. Um, again, if you guys are listening to this and you enjoy any of the podcasts that Mussy Audio do, um, this is like, it's it's my little thing, isn't it? You know, we, we I, I have the other people on the, um, I, have, I have other people on the show, doing shows with me, but everything that Mussy Audio use and do came out of my pocket to put together because I wanted to talk. <laughs> Ironically, I want to talk about things that weren't just Formula One as I sit here talking to you about Formula One. Um, but yeah, like the, the hosting costs, the um, direct debits for the gear, uh, like the I'm sat here with an, iP- uh, an iPad and two MacBooks in front of me um, for for various recording things. There's a new camera on the way because I've been wanting to do video content for a long time. And as you know, or some of you will know because you might watch uh, Hot Lap when I did it on uh, YouTube, I, I want all the shows to be to be up on YouTube and other streaming platforms. I want to live stream them. But it's I, I do so much like between Three Legs, Four Wheels, between I do, I'm in a band, I do all the musty audio stuff. I do a th- uh, like a thing for local radio now, which you'll see goes up on the Mussy Audio page, which is a, like a movie review podcast. And f- to do all the Mussy Audio podcasts, as I was doing them with the two camera setup, was like an extra seven hours or something um, work I had to do to get those to get all those videos sorted, and that's without upload time as well. I've just invested in a new camera, which I kind of hope and should do should be able to do like an automated producer job with a multi sort of shop setup. So that should arrive today, actually. I'm quite excited about it. Um, so yeah, all these things that are going on, I've got big plans for Musty Audio, as you already know, and you guys help me out. You guys help me out doing it. And as, like, as it, when it, when it makes money, we've all got partners, we've all got girlfriends, we've all got husbands, we've all got wives, um, you try having a child and then saying, I'm just going to pump lots of money into this. It's probably not going to make anything back. But you guys keep it afloat. You guys keep it... Made, it doesn't make a lot of money, but it definitely covers itself. And it covers itself enough that my girlfriend doesn't mind me doing it. So that's that stuff out of the way. If you want to go to Patreon, sign up to the Patreon. There's different tiers. You get stuff. That'd be a massive, massive help to, uh, to me. Um, so, guess five. Uh, he's not into the new qualifying idea. Now, the new qualifying idea is that I believe it's Russia, Spa, 
I'm going to say hungry, but I'm not sure on hungry. I know Spa. I know Spa is a definite one. But there's going to be three races, I believe back-to-back, where they want to scrap qualifying as an experiment and have a race on Saturday in reverse championship order to set the grid on Sunday. I am wholeheartedly into this idea. I've been uh, banging my drum for three years, probably doing podcasts, talking about this. Uh, I cannot see a drawback. Uh, Guest 5 here is not the... He he doesn't agree with me, um, but let me let me try and explain it and then maybe he'll come around to my way of thinking now everyone listening to this podcast is a formula one fanatic if you're willing to and i imagine that if you listen to this podcast you probably listen to three legs four wheels so let's say you listen to me and my buddies talking about formula one for five hours a week sometimes now look you're not a casual formula one fan that's obvious uh, I bet most of you stayed up and watched qualifying. I didn't even stay up and watch qualifying. That was too early for me, 2 o'clock. I got up at 5. So, the, but we can't as a niche. Formula 1, I say, always feels like a niche sport. Formula 1 cannot survive as a niche sport when it spends so much money. Formula 1 needs to be one of the biggest sports in the world to keep itself going. Not, and not only keep itself going, to keep itself relevant. If it's not one of the biggest sports in the world, what's the fucking point if it's not the pinnacle of motorsport? So we need people. We need eyes. That's what makes... I mean, we can have all the technical stuff and we can have all the cool brakes and the cool curves and the cool steering wheels we want. But if no one watches it, no one knows. So we need... like That's what makes... A sport mega. That's what makes the Super Bowl the Super Bowl is because on that day, I don't think I, th- I think it's like the most watched thing of the year. For instance, certainly in America, it'll be the most watched thing of the year, if not the world. So that's why we need more people. And what we need is we need the the people on the outskirts that are kind of interested but kind of not interested, but need reeled in. We need to reel them in, and I. As much as I don't mind qualifying, I could I could leave Q1 and Q2. I don't, you know, I, I'd be upset if I turned on Q3 and all of a sudden, like, Lando wasn't there or something like that, or George Russell had scraped into Q3 or something. I go, what happened in the first two? Um, but I will always say a race will be more interesting than a qualifying race. So... If and if you stick, you stick Lewis Hamilton, right? So you, let's say you're speaking to John in the pub. John doesn't watch Formula One. He likes a bit of motor racing. He, you know, he, he's like the cash. He he'll watch WrestleMania. He'll watch WrestleMania, but doesn't watch wrestling. He's one of those guys. And uh, he turns around. He says, it's something like weird going with the rules Formula One. Oh, like this weekend, right? Saturday, instead of like you know how they go out for the hour and they do the do the three things, yeah, they're all going to line up in reverse championship order. And then who, who, the results of that race make the race for Sunday. And he'll say, what? So Lewis Hamilton's last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lewis Hamilton's last. He's going to have to, if he wants to start on pole tomorrow, he's got to overtake everybody. Uh, like, Dave's going to go. I'm going to watch that. And then he'll watch what he'll watch Saturday. And then Dave will go, oh, that was great. Like, Lewis Hamilton started last. He's starting third. I'm going to watch tomorrow. That's why they're doing this. And I think too too often, don't get me wrong, if they do it and it's shite, make your voices heard. 
but we should knock things before it's happened. Uh, because what happens is people try and change things, like um, the qualifying where, like the dropout qualifying. I still think that deserved the whole season to see how it went. But to to just stick something in at the beginning of the year and then drop it a race later, it was the wrong thing to do. It should have it should have been given time to grow, and then if it didn't work, we could have gone right. That doesn't work. But at least doing it this way with having three experimental races, we'll know. But when they happen, we need to support them and not chastise them before we've seen them. Because anyone that tweets or posts something saying how terrible it is before it's happened, and then it turns up and it ends up being the greatest thing we've ever seen, uh, will feel kind of stupid. So like, be on the right side of history as they see these times. Uh, and let's let's let it let's let it play out and see how it goes. Um, we had from oh Baz Verbank or Verbeck Verbeek Verbeek something like that. I like saying your surname in various ways by the looks of it. Uh, the Claire penalty decision a disaster. Uh, still don't know why it went how it went. No, I agree with you. I don't understand why it took so long for them to turn around and say, "Oh, that was fucking stupid." Uh, they should have done it a lot easier, a lot earlier. Um, yeah, it's it was a slam dunk. Like it was dangerous. He should, if did you get two laps to come in? He was out for three laps. He should have technically been black flagged. Uh, yeah, it's not ideal. And like I say, it shows how petulant he is. Uh, Natalie B said, "I second uh, second that from um, uh, Baz uh, on Leclerc, Leclerc penalties." His incident had shades of Massa Hungary 2009, which we'll remember. Also, Kubica claims uh, lines were crossed with the Williams wing, which we've already spoken about. I totally agree with you. Um, you can't have bits of stuff flying into cockpits. You know, uh, Massa's, Massa's incident was so strange where a spring had come off a car and then it was kicked up by another car. I believe it was off a Braun. It was either off Jensen's car or Barrichello's, I think. Um yeah, and then it like nearly killed massive, killed, you know, destroyed his career because you know the year before that he nearly won a world championship. Oh, he, he did win a world championship for a few seconds. Um, so you know it's it, it took one of Formula One's top drivers away from us that day, uh, and it could have quite easily t- done the same thing with what like with a bit of carbon fiber. Uh, guest five again. Why is Lando the unluckiest driver in history? He can't catch a break. This is easy, and I can actually answer this. Um, I have. St- I started watching Formula One it, uh, on the same day that Ayrton Senna died. So I wasn't the best of luck for Formula One that day. That was the first race I ever watched. I remember watching it and having seen a big crash, and then it came on the news later on. I remember ringing my dad because my mum and dad lived in different houses. And I said to my dad, like, Ayrton Senna's died. And at that moment when I was speaking to my dad, because he was really into Formula One and I was just never interested in it, I thought, my God, these guys aren't playing games. Like, what they they go out there in these cars and they can lose everything. And I was absolutely hooked by the bravery from that moment forward. I watched the rest of that year and then constantly just got more consumed by Formula One over the years to come. Um... So I started off being unlucky for the sport. 
the next driver I got, uh, or the first driver, and my first like sporting hero, if we don't count Hulk Hogan, uh, was Damon Hill, and he was. Oh, I mean, he won a world championship. Should have won two because he was very unlucky. He won his world championship and then proceeded to be unlucky on car uh, with the cars he was given for the rest of his career, apart from one fateful day where I turned the tables on luck and he won in Belgium when I was there. But um, So I wasn't particularly good luck for uh, Damon Hill. So then Damon Hill retired and I was at sea for a while for drivers, for a driver to support. And then my Jensen came back. It came back, came in. Uh, I was a Jensen fan from the first race that he, that he drove. I wasn't the greatest of luck for Jensen, and but eventually still won a world championship. Uh, and Jensen retires, and I was at sea again. I am now a fully-fledged, signed-up member to the Lando Norris fan club, so expect terrible luck, and then hopefully he'll win one world championship. But it might be when he's 30. Sorry, it's probably my fault. But yeah, uh, that's why Lando has no luck, because... I like the guy. Um, we have from Outrage Meter. What a great Twitter uh, page of so just somebody that's clocks outrage. Uh, and he's got hashtag Outrage Meter. You should go and f- uh, follow him, actually. Uh, hashtag out- Outrage Meter. Um, uh, and out for Daniel Ricciardo to Ferrari. Maybe. Like We can talk about this Renault thing now. Basically... Renault have uh, maybe been cheating for, uh, well, a large part of the season. They've got reportedly some sort of system which allows the brake bias to be changed automatically corner for corner. I suppose it's kind of like the it's like the uh, um, brake bias version of active suspension in that respect. So we'll just... I don't know. I don't know how long it's been going on for. Everything seems a bit in the air. Hopefully we'll know something a little bit later when we record Three Legs, Four Wheels. And it's just a bit crazy, isn't it? That, But as soon as I found out I was brake biased, because this is why I didn't... Re- this is why you listen to this late, and I didn't record this yesterday, because I wanted to try and see if, if, if anything proper came out about it and at least try and understand it. Now, the, fir- the, the big thing that's been wrong with the Renault all year and something that's affected Daniel Ricciardo heavily is brakes. Now, I wonder whether they've designed something fundamentally wrong with that car that isn't a fix this year. And they had the choice of having a dead year with a driver with a performance clause in his contract that by now would have been chomping at the bit to get out of the car if he saw no new improvements. Or... Did they decide? And don't get me wrong, right? The drivers have to be implicit in this because, I mean, I I can't see how you would have brake bias changing automatically without the drivers knowing that's going on. So if they've got this brake problem and all of a sudden halfway through the year, things kind of turn around for them. Things start getting a bit better. They get under control of the brakes. Daniel Ricciardo's got a bit more touch of the brakes and he can he feels them a bit better he's making making like daniel ricardo type overtakes again um they're up there able to challenge mclaren more often it seems that whatever this uh active like 
brake bias system is might have solved their brake problem. And I wonder whether it was a, a boardroom decision where they went, look, it's this or nothing. We either try and get away with this for the year and see what happens or we're gonna, or we're done. And uh, I can't help think that this is a terrible time for this to happen at Renault because you've got a new director or um, CEO or whoever he is coming into Renault. We've seen it in the past when new people have taken over like like vehicle manufacturers and they've gone, what, we're spending how many hundreds of millions on Formula 1? Absolutely not. Uh, Renault have like been in and out of Formula 1 <laughs> quite a lot. So I think it's a bad time. I it, I wouldn't be surprised if um, something like this could be used for an exit for Daniel Ricciardo. Um, it also makes me wonder whether this is why uh, uh, Hulkenberg hasn't signed with a team yet. Like like either he di- this is why he didn't sign with Haas and he hasn't signed with Alfa Romeo yet because he's still thinking he might be in Renault next year if Daniel Ricciardo decides not to stay. So, I mean, where does Daniel go? Does he go back? Does Red Bull take him back? I think Red Bull might, might, would possibly take him back. Would he go to a Ferrari if there was a departing Sebastian Vettel? I think it would be a great place for him to go if there was a departing Sebastian Vettel. Uh, Mercedes is all taken up. I... Alfa Romeo, you don't really want to go to Alfa Romeo. Maybe he, maybe if Ferrari were to give him a pre-contract for Ferrari, so it's like, look, go and spend a, go spend a year in Alfa with Kimi because we can't put you in the main car and like we promise we're not resigning Seb. You can come to Ferrari in twenty twenty one. Maybe that's a situation, but I don't know what happens. I don't know what I don't know what happens. Would you want to be wait? Does Renault fold? Does Renault fold? And we end up with this awful situation again for Enstone, where they need to be taken up, uh, taken up by another team, by by another like entity. Uh, well, no, Sumi, it might come to nothing. Racing Point might be wrong. Uh, Renault might not be cheating. But when things like this come out and things like this start to move towards complaints and court cases, it in my like. N- in my relatively sort of medium-sized history of being a Formula 1 fan, it rarely turns out well for the team that's being accused. So that's that. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the po- uh, the podcast this weekend. Um, I hope you enjoyed the race. I hope there will be Formula 1 news. I'd imagine there'll be something to get back to next week. So even though there's no race, I would imagine we're going to have a hot lap to talk about because I feel there's probably going to be stuff come out about the random thing at absolute least and probably some rumblings about 2021 regs which we haven't really touched on but ferrari red bull and mercedes at least oppose them i th- uh the rest of the team i think are for them so you've got the top teams not wanting change and the bottom the bottom teams wanting change it's very strange isn't it it's odd that uh i kind of i i i asked a couple of people on twitter whether these could get forced through without the top teams wanting them. Um, I don't know. No, no one got back to me. There's always the Ferrari veto. And I, I know some people have said that at, uh, on Three Legs, Four Wheels as well, that Ferrari can veto the changes for 2021. I find that difficult to believe because the Concord Agreement ends and they, 
I find it odd that you that they have a veto to veto rule changes past the date of their agreement, which gives them the veto. Yeah, so I can't. I I think these rules can be forced through the way the way I see it. I think they will be able. To, they could be forced through without the top team's consent. Uh, I think that's what should happen because there's been a lot of money spent by Formula One on sorting these things out. And it's it's Brexit. It is absolutely Brexit. This whole thing, like the uh, you 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 shouldn't have um, you shouldn't have people with things to gain making decisions. This is the which whichever way you fall on either of these subjects. But we'll just talk about Formula One. Uh, the the teams have too much say in the rulemaking of Formula One. Like the drivers keep saying, "Oh, well, we should we should be asked more." I don't think you should. I think there should be, like, on situations like safety, maybe um, sh- should they get an independent group of like non of drivers that are non F one drivers, like an Anthony Davidsons or um, Alex Verts in to consult on them? Yes, absolutely. But if you're gonna tell Lewis Hamilton that, as far as like, if we go to the qualifying rule, for instance, if you're gonna tell Lewis Hamilton that if he's leading the championship, he probably has to start last in qualifying every single weekend, then he's gonna say no. He's gonna, he's not gonna want to do that. It's more work for Lewis Hamilton. And as like as much as these guys say, oh, we just want to improve the show, we just want close racing. What those guys really want, if they're all completely honest with each other, is a car that's 10 seconds faster than their own fucking teammate. They want to go out, they want to win every single race, and they want to do it forever because that's what sportsmen want to do. Sportsmen want to win. So I I don't think we should be asking the teams. I don't think we should be asking the drivers. I think what we have with people like Ross Braun in charge is the absolute best situation that formula one could want we have some of the people that in recent memory have been the cleverest people in formula one and i think it's great i I think the new rules i agree with pretty much all of it uh i think the when you look at what the new cars are supposed to be do race wise and how close they're supposed to follow each other and how the air isn't supposed to disrupt anything i think that's great I think the qualifying shake-up will be good to bring new eyes to the sport, um, especially when you look at where we're not a million miles away from that. I think it's a 2022. Um, or No, it must be 2021 because the Concord Agreement's there, I think. Maybe. I don't know. Um, when Formula One can choose its own um, like television deals again, I would be surprised if Sky get an exclusivity deal. Um, I, I would be disheartened if they do anyway. I wouldn't be surprised to see Formula One in the next two years to move to either its own streaming platform, but I don't kind of don't think that that would work for Formula One. I don't think they do enough. I don't think there's enough content to have um, their own streaming service. I mean, you'd have all the old races, but it's I. I think it's only a small portion of the population that actually want that. Um, you have the period post post race content, yeah, we love that, but we get that on YouTube. Um, I think the best thing Formula One could do would be to stream the races live on YouTube. I think that would be but as as YouTube moves away, right or wrongly, 
Uh, I know I don't enjoy YouTube as much as I used to for some of the stuff I like to watch. Um, but they're turning more into a television network than they are into a user-created pla- uh, content platform. Uh, even the like your your sort of grassroots YouTubers now, the productions are better than television. You know, it's it's like Netflix, isn't it? Where their their television series have a movie like blockbuster movie level productions to them, like Stranger Things and stuff. So as YouTube decides it wants to compete more with content from things like Netflix than it is becoming like that wild west. I'm just gonna start making videos on my phone because I'm really funny and I'm going to get a million subscribers and turn it into a job. Their uh, their content restrictions as well are pretty pretty big. That's what I'm, I'm finding going to find interesting when we start streaming these shows live because I think the other con- uh, the other podcasts are rapidly going to get must see audio probably struck off YouTube because of their guidelines and like speech wise. Um, but I can't help think that that's probably the best place for Formula One because it's they would get ad revenue lots of it they would get everybody with a device in their pocket has a youtube app you know it's every everybody at some point if you even if you don't if you're not like an avid youtube watcher like i am for um Everyone watches YouTube. My dad watches YouTube because he'll see a video and he doesn't even think that that link has come from YouTube, but he still uses YouTube and everyone knows what it is. It's ubiquitous with online streaming. So that's maybe where they're going to go. That's where I think they should go. And I'm not going to keep saying that because I'm repeating myself over and over again. If you'd like to hear me repeat repeat myself some more, as said in the beginning of the podcast, please go to Patreon. You can sign up. Uh, one thing you can do, if you just pay a dollar, you get access to the Discord. If you pay $2, you get uh, access to Discord and you get all the ads taken off because you can use your own little RSS feed to get all the Musi Audio podcasts. It takes away that irritating advert that has to be slammed in the middle of every episode and before and after it. Um, if you pay $5 a month, you get those things and an absolute chunk of extra content, you know, there's extra podcasts, like I say, there's ad free, there's stuff like there's so much. There's hours of extra content there. Uh, one of our one of the shows we do is not the director's cut, which is a patron, completely patron only podcast, um, where we do like alternate commentaries for films. So every day, every week, me and Martin sit down and watch a film, and we'll do a uh, like an alternate commentary so we can all sit down, watch it together, and we make pretty shitty movies funny sometimes so that's that you can find that at musty audio's patreon the link should be in the description of this podcast and i will love yous all and leave yous and speak to you very very soon bye bye Unbelievable. Fantastic guy. Stop there. Got another good ride off. Cheers.